You're listening to the Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Welcome back to season two of the Simply Flossom podcast. Very excited to bring you today's guest. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank the Rove Hotel in Dubai Marina for uh, allowing me to use their venue and their endless support within the podcast. So let's move on to today's guest. She moved to the UAE in December 2016 and she's very quickly made a name for herself as an entrepreneur in the food and beverage space. She is the owner of Jean's Private Kitchen, which caters to international high-profile clients all around the world. Her clients include actresses, footballers, diplomats, and the United Nations. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jean Winter to the podcast today. Thank you, Zoe. Very happy to be here. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for your time. Um, thanks for coming on, Jean. So, Jean, to kick this off, will you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Well, um, it started out as a passion project um, in Geneva, 2010. Um, I started Jean's Private Kitchen pretty much from my home space. And um, it quickly grew from a takeaway for my clients in the UN, WHO, WTO, and it pretty much... Um, grew into a private kitchen where I started hosting very private dinners in my home. Um, initially, it was an underground concept where it was pretty much illegal. Um, I started it um, for friends and friends of friends for security reasons because my husband was freaking out that um, I was getting strangers to our home. But somehow, uh, within 18 months, it grew to almost 700 people on my guest list and wait list to come for dinner. I hosted, initially when I started, I said I would host one dinner a week maximum. And then the demand grew and grew. And somehow um, I've had to register myself as a proper business by pretty much 18 months really. And um, I was doing a lot of um, catering as well as private dinners uh, from my home. And uh, when we moved from Geneva to Hamburg, um, that was when um, I decided to branch the business a bit further by um, taking on bigger projects, um, agreeing to do food shows, uh, international food shows, um, and doing my best in representing um, Singapore as a food um, ambassador for our Singaporean cuisine, which I think is very misunderstood. And um, I used my platform pretty much to um, explain about the history of our country, our cuisine, our culture uh, through my business. Um, and in Dubai, uh, because of um, hosting uh, dinners and pretty much the demand for hosting events, uh, I've had to start uh, a 
Well, I've, I have a consultancy ongoing in Singapore anyway because I have uh, international clients um, from Singapore where I advise on business, um, business um, well, if they want to branch out of Singapore, I basically come in as their business consultant on an international basis. Um, and in Dubai, I pretty much had to uh, open another business, which was an events management company, to also um, handle the events side of things on top of the, well, the private dinners. I just want to touch on uh, what you said earlier about it being um, a passion project. Is it still, you know, now that you've developed, developed it further into a business, are you still as passionate about it as you were back then? Oh, yes. Um, it has always been a passion project and it remains one. Um, and I think I'm very blessed because many people don't have a choice when they work because they need the money. Whereas for me... Um, I am blessed in the sense that I choose my clients and I choose who I want to work with um, because for me, work remains a passion. Um, it has to. It has to. I don't have a choice because with businesses running in several countries and different continents at the same time, if it's not a passion project, it's going to drag you down very fast. You're going to burn out. Whereas for me... Um, uh, in terms of cross-cultural as well as cross-continental work, um, it has to excite me. And that's why I'm very picky about um, my clients, who I work with, who I work for. Uh, I think in terms of reputation, I've got quite a reputation for turning, turning down jobs as opposed to accepting whatever comes my way. I'm extremely picky about um, who I work with because for me, um, our values have to co coincide and my business uh, values as well has to be in line with the project or the event that I take on because I don't want to have at any one point um, any clashes with my personal values or what I see as important values for my business um, in terms of ethics, in terms of beliefs. Um, yeah, so um, it remains a passion project till today. Because I'm working with people I love. I'm working with um, companies I believe in. I am very um, positive in terms of my working relationship. Because for me, it's not just one event, but a long ongoing um, business as well as uh, emotional relationship. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the fact that you can pick and choose um, and we were talking earlier about kind of entrepreneurship and mental health and and how I found doing these podcasts that there seems to be like a cor correlation. And, and I guess when you say that you're in the position to be able to pick and choose, that puts you in quite a good position, really, because a lot of entrepreneurs out there aren't, you know, the, the, you know they need that money coming yes. in. So maybe, you know, they would just take any job, yes. you know, just for the money. So, you know, in many ways, I guess um, you're in quite a, a good position there. Yeah. I, I, I'm always very thankful for the position I'm in because um, I'm able to build um, a reputation in the industry because of this very um, fact that people know that if I pick a project and if I decide to work with you on a project, um, you have... 100% of me in it mm. um, 
and it doesn't help it doesn't help that I'm um, a bit uh, OCD and I'm a perfectionist so I think it all complements um, in it all it, it all it comes in a nice package I guess where you have uh, someone that is um, fully involved and fully invested in a project because she chose to do it not because she has to yeah how does it feel to have carved out a career doing what you love um, I I'm always very um, uh, careful to remind myself that um, I am in a position where I am um, because it is a blessing. Um, I don't take it for granted because if I do lose um, everything tomorrow, nothing changes because um, it started out as a passion where I started from scratch and it will not affect me because you start again. So I know catering is such a challenge. Like my family have been in catering for, for many years. Um, my grandparents, my mom and my sister, she uh, traveled and she lived in Argentina. Um, so what she's done, she recently, well, recently, she moved back to the UK many years ago and she now lives in Hastings. And she set up her own... Um, it's called Penelope's Pit Stop. Oh, I love and, that name. Yeah, and it's basically um, kind of Argentinian street food. Like, um, I don't know if it's street food, but Argentinian food. Yeah. And she goes to like the festivals and all the farmers markets. And I went to see her and oh my God, like I didn't appreciate. I mean, I just respected so much what she did when I actually saw her, you know, just... You know, because she, she pretty much, she has people working for her, but, you know, she just all the heavy lifting, the setting up, the preparation, everything that goes into it. And I just thought, oh, my God, like, you know, I just thought I couldn't do what you're doing right now. <laughs> um, and that's why this is where passion comes in again, because if you're not interested in what you're doing, then it becomes pretty much a chore. Um, and this applies to any occupation, any professional work you do. Um, but I have to say that in Dubai, um, I'm, again, very, very selective about who I cook for. Um, but most of my job here is consultancy as well as event management at a bigger level. So, um, yeah. So you moved to the UAE from Singapore. Uh, what was from... So I moved um, f um, to the UAE from Hamburg. I'm originally from Singapore, but mm. uh, in the past 14 years, we have moved from Italy um, to France um, because my husband was working in Geneva. At that time, my clients were in Geneva. Um, then we moved to Germany, Hamburg, before moving to Dubai. So we've been around. <laughs> okay. What were the challenges that you faced transferring your business from Hamburg to Dubai? and having to build up a new book of clients and establish yourself as an expert in your field here? Because um, I guess in many ways, yeah, you've got your resume, you've got your CV, and they can see what you've done. But in terms of networking and, and establishing relationships and connections, you're starting from afresh. Uh, yes and no. I think I'm, again, very, very lucky because um, before each move to whichever country you have moved to, uh, friends or clients have already talked about me before I've arrived. So upon arriving, 
usually I get the contact for work even before I'm even set up. So people pretty much know I've arrived within my niche um, market even before um, I've actually set up. So um, I get emails or calls saying, hey, we heard that you've been here. Someone told us you're here now. Can you do this? So in fact, that was actually the um, uh, incentive to start the business in Dubai. I had wanted to take one year off work because I was extremely involved um, with work as well as the refugee um, effort in Hamburg for one whole year. And um, I wanted to take one, one year off and just not work and enjoy and settle into Dubai. So when we arrived uh, Christmas 2016, I got my first call in January and February. So I had, by that time, four or five calls asking me to start work for events. And I have to say, look, guys, I can't because I'm not even registered yet. But because of that push... I somehow, my husband laughed at me. He was like, let's see how long it can last without working. And um, yeah, so I started the business because of demand rather than the need to again. And um, yeah, that was pretty much my push um, in Dubai um, and in every country. Because again, when I arrived in Hamburg, I got the call calls to start work, to do international um, work even before I settled down in Dubai. As you remember, my, my I, we were still in boxes. We haven't even unpacked the boxes. And um, I was asked to do a show in Paris. Uh, and it was actually my husband that said, you know what, you should just do it. We will, uh, nothing, nothing's going to go wrong. Um, you should just do it. So I've, again, uh, very, very blessed because I also have a very supportive husband. So he's the one pushing me to accept a lot of jobs when I'm the one saying, you know what, I need a break um, after this uh, project. I don't want to work for a few months. And every time a new project comes up, it's my husband that says, you know what, you can do this. We are okay without you for a while or we can ma manage this, we can handle this. Um, the move can wait or the boxes can be wait to be, you know, to be opened after you come back. So, uh, yeah, um, it was a very... For me, it's um, I've been very, very uh, lucky in terms of my networking because my network is pretty much international. So before I even land wherever we have been posted to, um, people already know I was arriving before I, I even arrive. So that's, I guess, a, a, an advantage, you call it? Yeah. A blessing? I, yeah, definitely. So you're a mom too? Yes, a mom to two gorgeous girls. How age. old are you? 10 and 13 so um, and that is also why um, I love doing what I do because being a business owner it gives me a leverage to uh, focus on what I think is important because at the end of the day I still want to be a good wife and um, a mom to my two kids and that's why a lot of people ask me Jean why have you not hired a driver yet because you are constantly running around handling so many events at one time different projects, uh, different meetings. But I always say, I know that the day I hire a driver, I will lose my whatever little time I have left with my girls. Um, because during our drives, that's our very, um, that's my precious time with them because our drive to school, the drive back home, uh, sending them for swim trainings, uh, when they actually tell me about their day, their friends, 
um, interesting um, things that happen in school, um, new friends that they've made. So these are all things that I don't really want to lose. Um, interestingly, I think it was quite recent that my husband and I were discussing having to um, uh, hire a driver at one point um, because my daughters are, are swimmers in different swim squads and at different times, so that's pushing it a bit. Um, my husband, he, so he's a director of a shipping company. He's sometimes he he travels as well, so we we make sure that we travel at different times, so that there's always one parent home for the girls. Um, and it's also challenging because he's training. For example, now he's training for um, the World Championships Ironman, and um, he's awake at four or five in the morning sometimes, and he finishes his own training at seven thirty-eight. So obviously, I have to be the one um, chauffeuring the kids around. But when we have events, this is when we rely pretty much on our very lovely um, house help. I um, well. I don't ever call her mate. I always call her my my home manager because she then has to take the girls, um, you know, on their school runs. But, um, yeah. That was going to be one of my questions. What is the challenges of running a business and having a family? I think you've just answered. Yeah. It's all about priorities. Yeah, it's all about priorities because for me, the business will only be successful if you have a happy family. So... This is something when I brought, uh, when I was brought up, because my dad, he was v- uh, vice president of um, Bank of America, and he always uh, um, taught us that the work life balance has to be very, very, um, uh, Im- it's very important because as long as you get your priorities wrong, that's when things go bad. And I remember growing up, no matter how busy my dad was, he's home for dinner every day at 7 o'clock. And he would send his general managers out to entertain, but he would always be home for us at 7, no matter what. And weekends were always family days. And this is something that Andrew and I have um, said was very important, that we sat down for dinner, no matter how busy we all are at the end of each day. Yeah, that's amazing. I, having worked in finance myself and knowing the amount of entertaining that goes on for a vice president, you know, to be home every single night at seven o'clock, that must have been quite a, that was a commitment. And that it must is, have been it's a, a challenge choice. for him. It's definitely a choice over anything else. And I think this has pretty much carried over to how um, it is in our family as well, that um, if we have a choice, We'd always pick having a family dinner sitting down over um, an event. So whenever I'm out for work, the girls know that I have to be there because I'm actually running the event as host. So I can't not be there. But if I have a choice to do it any other way, I'll be home. And that's why it's also um, I'm also very picky about the events I attend um, because I will... uh, attend events where I know I have to be there but given a choice if I turn an event down it's because I haven't seen the kids enough or that is the day my husband gets back from his travels Um, yeah it's all choice I think it boils down to 
uh, priorities. Um, and nowadays, I think, um, like I said, my, my dad's uh, best advice was pretty much if you get your um, work-life ba- balance right and you, you always put God and family in front, uh, in front, everything will fall in place. And this is what my parents brought me up with. And I see it carrying over to our own family um, and how we run it till today. So if I have to turn down a, a business um, proposition because I know that it's going to take me out, then I wouldn't take it usually. Yeah. Thank you. Jean, do you feel that the UAE encourages and offers enough support for female entrepreneurs? Is, is it something that you found a challenge when you were setting up your company or...? Um, yes and no. Um, the initial uh, problems or frustrations, I would say not problems, frustrations I got arriving in UAE was pretty much, for example, setting up my business account and my husband had to be there because he, he, he is the sponsor, main sponsor to, to the family arriving in UAE. And I remembered having to ask him, why do you have to be there when I'm setting up my business account? And he was like, I know. Um, and we just couldn't understand it. And when we went to the bank and um, we were opening up our account, Andrew had to sign a, 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 a NOC letter for me and that really frustrated me as a... I guess I'm pretty much... Um, a modern day independent woman and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, why do you have to give me, you know, um, an acknowledgement or to, or a go ahead for me to open my business? Um, and I think my frustration in the, I can remember very clearly one incident where we sat down and we asked for um, credit cards for our joint account, family account. And the guy that was, at the bank basically asked and I was sitting in front of him and he asked my husband not looking at me saying are you sure you want to give access to the accounts and my husband and I were like wait what yeah it's our joint account what are you talking about so for us I think coming from uh, uh, Europe and coming from a very modern society like Singapore totally blew my mind and I remember I was getting all edgy and annoyed and Andrew had to put his hand on my lap to calm me down. Um, This were the initial frustrations, I would say. Um, What would be not so much female, but entrepreneurs as a whole, I think the setup costs are very expensive. And I, yeah, yeah. that's something that a lot of people are, I mean, they seem to be getting a lot more and more expensive. Yes, because look, I've started businesses in five countries. Um, Licenses are always um, so easily um, available to encourage business entrepreneurship, um, be it or not, you are local or international or expat um, business owner. Uh, I'll just take Singapore, for example. Um, you get a business license for $200, sing, and it's ongoing. You don't have to repay, uh, you don't have to you know, pay for a new license every single year. Whereas um, in UAE, we are pretty much coughing up at least seven times more 
per year, every single year to run a business. And that's for just one business. So assuming I have two different businesses or two different offerings, a consultancy and an events management company, I have to, I have to double that as well I every know. single year. It's absolutely crazy. Because in the UK, what you'd set up a lim- limited company for peanuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite con- I find it quite contradictory in a place that encourages kind of forward thinking and entrepreneurship and that is evolving and, you know, moving at a really, really fast pace that these challenges are put in place. Um, because I guess, you know, there's so many small businesses out there that just are struggling because they're not able to... I realized that when after I arrived in Dubai, I know that a lot of female entrepreneurs were um, they were put off by the cost of the setup, and that's why a lot of uh, people were setting up um, their businesses online as well as on a private level where they are not licensed. And I think it was last year was am I right? Last year where they zoomed in and came down quite hard. The government came down quite hard on. Um, uh, freelance work and people working without license but I think this is not just um, tying back to your previous question it's not um, a problem for females um, but in general entrepreneurs as a whole however the pre- the women are affected more because a lot of women are here because of their husbands not because of the other way around, I'm sure that there are many instances of um, women who are here because of their work and men, ha- ha- their husbands followed suit. But the women are more affected because a lot of the wives follow their husbands and are unwill- either unwilling or unable to cough up such a big amount to restart their business, especially if they don't have the existing networks. So for them to have to restart the network restart the business from scratch it is too much of a risk to take because even before you earn back that initial amount you have to cough up the next year again and the initial um, business license start from anywhere between 28 to 38,000 germs uh, a year every year and that is pretty much a, a, a huge um, put off for a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs because we're in Dubai so out of 12 months Three months a year, we are not even around from holidays to summers. Um, so they pretty much have nine months to 10 months to make that money back plus profits to make it even worth you know, their while. So I think that's what puts a lot of women on the back foot even before they even start. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree totally. Thank you. Um, I always like to ask my guests about their morning routine. Um, for me, my morning routine is, is so, so important if I'm going to have a productive, happy day. Uh, do you have a specific routine that you do on a morning? Oh, man. Our, our family is boring because our routine is pretty much standard every single day. Um, we wake up at 6. Um, Andrew would go ensure that the girls are awake. Um, he's more of a morning person than me. So he goes down with the girls. He spends, he sits down for breakfast with the girls. If he's training, he would somehow make it back um, in time just to catch them before school. And then um, Lani, our, my house manager, would uh, pretty much um, 
make sure that the girls have breakfast. I come down at 6.40. I'm very precise. <laughs> I come down but between 6.40 and 6.45 to make sure that, that the girls have really eaten to tie my girls' hair. Um, it's nice. I mean, the girls are 10 and 13. And if they still enjoy having mommy tie their hair, simple things like this, I think um, I should appreciate it and enjoy it while it lasts. So, you know, we come down for my coffee, tie their hair, chat a little. We are out of the house by 6.55. I don't leave the house anything later than 7. And that's a late day uh, because then I'll be caught in traffic. So I drop them in school by 7.15. And then I rush off to my gym. So I go to um, Inner Fight by 7.30 and do an hour of um, exercise I finish at 8.30 go home shower change and then my day starts so that's my morning routine every single day you train it in a fight every morning yes wow that's amazing that's fantastic uh, commitment yeah but um, you know I think that pretty much wakes you up and starts you off well for the day because if I don't get one hour of exercise time or that's what I call my meet my time a day you pretty much feel so sluggish it it pretty much sets you off on the right uh, foot yeah I totally agree I like to sit to do exercise every day um even if it's just like 20 minutes of kundalini yoga like doing my breathing um I used to do I mean I ran this morning I did some um interval training I'll tell you what I always start the day with ice on my face ice yeah and i've also started having cold showers as well the ice is easier than the cold showers (laughs) but i'll drink water and then i put ice cubes on my face it's like because i don't normally drink tea very rarely drink tea or coffee so and i feel it's just it just kind of makes you feel invigorated it's also supposed to be really good for the skin as well um but yeah yeah i think i've kind of slowed down more and um, rather than do like my intense exercise on a morning like I used to, sometimes like I'm just happy if I just get a little bit of yoga in. But as long as I do something, you know, just to kind of balance the energy and, you know, keep the mind sane. So, Jean, the theme of all my podcast um, is mental health. And I'm finding that the more I speak to people, especially entrepreneurs, there seems to be um, a correlation between entrepreneurship and mental health problems do you agree with that? And, and have you had any challenges uh, along the way uh, with your own mental health in terms of setting up your own business or, or just in, in general? Um, I think this ties back to how I was brought up again. Mom and dad um, brought us, uh, me and my brother, uh, with the mindset that failures are a stepping stone to success. I remember that was my first eight out of ten of um, which was my choice of composition for primary school where even at a young age um, it was ingrained in us that failures are fine because that will only make you stronger um, and I think um, it's quite interesting because I nev- I- I'm someone where I don't get affected by something that goes wrong because I'm a problem solver 
rather than a worrier. I don't waste time worrying. I don't have time to worry. So if there's a problem, you solve it. So if there's a problem, you find ways of going around it. So I'm very practical. I think um, I'm a very practical person in terms of um, uh, as a woman, <laughs> as well as an entrepreneur, business owner. And I think that helps because um, I'm whichever country that I've been to, whichever business I want to set up, my mindset is just go for it because if it works, then it's meant to be. If it doesn't work, it's not happened yet. That doesn't work part. But I think, again, because of the mindset, I don't let anything affect me negatively because if I preempt a lot of problems, so when you, before I even start up a, pro, uh, a business, I look at what possible problems there are first and I clear those problems away before I even start a business. So because I'm so practical, I pretty much try to uh, preempt issues and then I go for it, which then also helps in terms of failure rate. And in terms of mental health, I'm actually quite a happy person. I'm, I don't know, I'm always happy. So even in the gym, I'm always laughing and, you know, smiling um, with my clients, with my business associates. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been like depressed or upset. Of course, everyone has stresses in their life. Um, everyone has high points, low points, uh, stressful moments. But if you take those stressful moments with a positive pinch of salt, everything's fine. And okay, I'm one of those crazy people that thrive on stress. So when things are um, highly stressful or when things need to be done, you just, you just deal with it. Mm. So, Thank you. It's interesting what you said earlier about um, taking action. Um, a lot, I, I think where a lot of people struggle with mental health and me in particular as well, I guess I'm speaking from experience is, is actually, you know, you know, we have all these ideas and we don't take action, but you said yourself that, you know, it, you've always executed on your kind of, on what you want to do. And, and as a result of that, you've never failed. Um, and I think that would, that's probably a really good lesson for a lot of people, you know, because, okay, they're maybe not going to be successful with everything, but, you know, there's probably a good chance that they will be. Yeah. They just need to execute and take don't, action. Don't think and stay at thinking. Do it. So that's what I always tell the kids as well. Don't think. I mean, everyone thinks, but it's the doing. And then if you fail, then just try again. Mm -hmm. There's no harm or embarrassment to it. Do you feel you would still be the same and this would be just as easy if you didn't have the support of your husband? And your family around you? No, I'll be a different person. I think the, the family environment um, that you grew up in, uh, and I think the, your family environment, like for me, my parents are such a huge source of inspiration and they are my role models because, look, my parents are 71 and 75 this year. They are still doing voluntary work. They are still taking old people out. Um, wow. It's like when I call them, so they're old, yeah, oldish, oldish. They're still taking old people out. Yeah, That's amazing. And it's like when I call them, I was like, "What are you doing today?" They said, "Oh, we are taking 
old people out. I was like, what, older than you? <laughs> and they said, uh, yeah, That's until fun. we stop being able to walk, we can still help people. We can still keep motivating people. And they spend, um, they're retirees now, but they spend, I would say, four out of five days of their, uh, of their days now, um, out having meetings, bringing, uh, doing charity work, doing, um, church work, um, helping people in the community. So I grew up with those kind of parents where they don't stop doing till now. And then my husband, is so supportive. I mean, I love him to bits because he is so supportive. I'll never be where I am today if not for him because he's always the one telling me, you know, um, you have so much potential but you don't see it. And I was like, it's not that I don't see it. I, I'm i not that career-driven to the point that I'll, you know, uh, he keeps saying, oh, why don't you um, take the business one step further? And I'm like, because, no, no, because I'm happy where I am. And if the business comes my way, for example, every project that becomes bigger and bigger, I take it because I see it as a blessing and not a given. Mm. Um, And I'll take it on if I think it will not um, take away from family. And if, and yes, so... Back to your question, um, without my family, my the mindset of my parents, how they brought us up, the beliefs, the morals, the values that they've instilled in us, the supportive nature of my husband, how he believes in me and how, um, you know, uh, how we are able to work such that both of us still have our own time, our family time and time for our careers, I think um, is pretty much... Um, the backbone of my success story or what many people see as a success story. But for me, it's not. It's just my story. Everyone has their own success stories. Thank you. Last question. So we've actually been talking for almost 40 minutes. No way. I know. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? So, um, yeah, my last question is kind of, you've spoken a lot about your parents and the influence that they had on you growing up. Um, so who would you say was the, you know, you the biggest teacher to you was it your mom or your dad both so i come from a very close-knit family um mom dad my baby brother and myself um we have always uh leaned on both my parents um for advice i mean i was back from singapore recently i just got back two days ago for, uh, on a work trip well it was supposed to be a holiday but it ended up being a work trip um, I came home from work one night. That's a classic case where I came home one uh, from work at 11 p.m. And I literally said, Mom, Dad, come into the room. They got into bed and I, I jumped into bed with them. I'm 43 this year. And I still jump into bed with them and talked about my work day because that's what our family unit is because I treasure the advice. I want them to hear what has gone on with my work. If I have any frustrations... I tell my husband and my parents. Um, so if you're asking me to pick one inspiration, it's very difficult because mom and dad offers um, very, very... They always advise on a very united front on family issues. When it comes to business, my mom is usually more emotional, whereas my dad is more practical. Um 
my dad would always be the one giving financial advice, whereas my mom would always be giving more emotional advice, but they will always be listening to me at the same time. I always talk to them at the same time. And even if I call home from Dubai just to chat with them, I'll make sure that both of them are on speaker um, before I start talking about my day because I always make sure that both of them are listening. Growing up, they were both very, very involved in our lives. And as you remember, our dinner times were very, very important because that was when we talked about our days as well. And that's when they both advise at the same time. So growing up, they've both um, given uh, 100% of their time and their love to both myself and my brother. Um, and I would say that my brother and myself, uh, we are products of our parents. And very proud to be because they're very, very good, inspirational and very, um, you know, um, motivational in their own ways. And um, they are pretty much leaders within their own communities because of what they do without having to talk a lot about it. And I think that's um, ironic because um, recently I... Um, not ironic, that's the wrong use of word. I would say that they don't talk about what they do. And my brother and myself, we too don't really talk about our work much to anyone else unless we are asked about it. So um, recently at a project, a big government project that I'm doing, um, they asked me for my website. I said, I don't have a website. I still don't have a website till today. So they asked, so how do people find out about you? And I said, by word of mouth. It has always been, and it probably always will be. Because if I believe that if you're good at what you do, people will seek you out. You don't have to talk about yourself. People will come to you, and the right ones will come to you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you um, for having me. And I'd like to thank everyone that has tuned in to listen to this podcast. Your support means a lot. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and leave a review because this helps the podcast become visible and enables us to reach a wider audience. And again, I'd like to thank Rogue Hotel for allowing us to record the podcast in their amazing venue.